All right, welcome. My name is Keith Pearson. I'm a pastor with the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and with me is Tom Salt. Yes, uh, I am. <laughs> Dr. Tom Salt. <laughs> well, yes, I am. Um, Tom and I are, yeah, what? <laughs> uh, well, we're exploring uh, the Ten Commandments, and through that, who is God? And I guess my question would be to you, why are we doing this? How did we get here? Sure. Well, we've been sitting together in a Bible study for uh, for quite a while. We've been running through this, and that kind of raised deeper questions or more questions beyond what we could get to just in that time. And uh, kind of felt like there was maybe something else we had to say or something else we had to explore in this. So let's do it. Let's let's see where we go. Okay. So the original text that this comes out of in Exodus chapter 20 is right from the time in the biblical story when the people of God had been captives in Egypt. God has intervened with the help of Moses or using Moses to get them out. Uh, they're now released and they're out into the wilderness on their way back to the promised land. And uh, it's at this point in the story that God basically sets his people down and says, "This, you're now free people. And this is how I want you to live. This is how free people live and remain free. So the first thing is, and it says, Exodus chapter 20, starting at verse 1, or verse 2. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. So it starts with a reminder. I'm the one that brought you out. I am the one that freed you have no other gods before you. So so when I was in, uh, ele- not elementary school, but um, Sunday school, the, the teacher always held that up as um, differentiating Christians from pagans and that the pagans had all these idols and all these, you know, bloody ceremonies and all this kind of thing. Um, but I, I think there's a... a a more important answer. Well, yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's an awful lot of people out there <clears throat> worshiping today to Zeus or Astarte or uh, any any handful of these pagan gods that we think about today. But I do think there are an awful lot of gods that we tend to worship, and we don't label them as such, but they certainly function that way. Luther, in his explanation of the Catechism, says basically your God is anything that you go to for comfort, for relief, the thing you go to when things are really difficult, the the thing that you go to for shelter. So what is your God? What do we run to for shelter? What do we rely on? What what do we put all our trust in? And... uh... That's that I think is the crux in the in the modern era. Where do we put where do we put our trust in our money, in our lifestyle, in our lavish self indulgence, our um, health, our health. And I think uh, as a physician, I think there's some reason to put some something in your health. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. So I. So, but then that 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 brings us to this place of the difference between a god and um, prudence. Sure. It's prudent to take care of your health. It's prudent to have a job. It's prudent to have uh, a home. Yeah. But if you worship it in a way uh, and exclusively, it becomes detrimental. Sure. So yeah, like none of these things in and of themselves 
are bad. Well, most things are not in and of themselves bad, but if they're taken to the extreme, they can be. So let's start with work. I know an awful lot of people, and myself included, where work can become your God. It can become the thing that it's your central identity. Yes. And outside of that, there is nothing. People will sacrifice their health, their family, their relationships, all to this false god of work. And I see that every day. Um, people come in um, and they're chronically unwell, and perhaps they have or are on the verge of losing their job or already have lost their job. And they have a sense of worthlessness. They feel that they're no longer worthy because they cannot work. Their identity is so deeply ingrained in their occupation that when they no longer have that occupation, they feel worthless as human beings. I had a brother-in-law that recently retired. He'd been a chief executive on a large corporation. I won't give the name, but uh, he made a choice to retire maybe earlier than he would have had to. Certainly could have continued working a bit longer and had great financial gain to that if he had. But he'd looked at some statistics and realized that if he worked even two or three years longer, the likely, uh, his likely lifespan beyond that would drop sharply. Really? Yeah. So you want to retire early? Is that the moral yeah. of the story? Yeah. The, early, the, younger, the earlier he would retire, the more likely he would live longer. And I thought about that a lot, and I think that is uh, wrapped up in a lot of this. Your identity, your everything. When people pull out of such a long-time job where they've been so invested and so deeply into it and everything else is sacrificed beyond it, when that suddenly comes to a halt, you stop. You cease to exist. Yeah. Well, this bodes poorly for me because I have firm plans to retire three days after my funeral. (laughs) (laughs) And I I think you can be really deeply invested in your job and really love what you do, but still not take it to that extreme. Uh, If you don't have hobbies outside, if you don't have interests outside, if you're sacrificing other things that are essential in your life, like your family, uh, for the sake of the job, that's not healthy and that's not... not, uh, that's not honoring this. That's turning this this thing into a false god. Yes. And it's interesting. We started by talking about where this first uh, commandment came from. And it came from a god leading us to freedom. Mm-hmm. And so we're really talking about work. Uh, but what is work and what what how is that helping us achieve freedom versus enslaving us? Yeah. We don't want our work to enslave us. And, um, as you just wrote down, he brought us to the next issue, which is work shouldn't be the only thing there is. What, what about the Sabbath? We've got to pause. We've got to stop. Otherwise, you, you get overly involved. So the, the first thing that slaves... <laughs> the thing about slavery is you don't get a day off. Right. Like many people who are executives and mm-hmm. salaried and... Mm-hmm. Are continuously sure. working. I worked at 3M before I became a pastor. I worked, and uh, one of my coworkers, one of the executives above me in my division, when we got to Friday, they always had this saying as everybody else was packing up and leaving, he'd say, Friday, good, only two more work days until Monday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't think he had the most healthy life. <laughs> 
I know he was already on his second marriage. Um, smoked heavily. Uh, was not the picture of health. Was a mover and shaker in the company. Got things done. But there were other people that were movers and shakers. Got things done, but they didn't sacrifice their family in the process. They didn't sacrifice their health in the process. I think it's a false god that we set up this way. You know, look at... Uh, there's a lot of good examples out of Europe, countries that are just as productive as we are, just as innovative as we are, but they don't work themselves to death. Yeah, when when I was uh, first in my career, um, every third day I worked 30 hours in a row. And uh, my wife will be very happy to tell you that I was pretty unpleasant to live with at that <laughs> point in time. <laughs> and it's absolutely true. Um all work and no play, as the saying goes, is not a good thing. But then what does it mean to, you know, have a Sabbath? Is, is the Sabbath uh, a shall not? I mean, what does it mean to have a God who is trying to deliver us from freedom, from slavery and into freedom? <laughs> yeah. And um, Well, Jesus gets caught up in all kinds of Sabbath God. Difficulties, problems, yeah. healing on the Sabbath. You're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. And you're healing, you're doing work. You're uh, walking alongside the road and your disciples reach out and snatch a few heads of grain from the, the, the fields that, are, that you're walking past and pop some grain in their mouth for a little snack. They get in trouble because they're working. They're harvesting on the Sabbath and that's not allowed. And Jesus' response to that basically is, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So this was meant to be something that benefits us, something that uh, relieves us from that slavery of constantly doing and constantly being and constantly delivering. Um, so, so on the Sabbath, if I feel like having a snack, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like you know, have you ever had a problem that you're you've focused on all your attention and all your all your research, everything, you just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and you cannot come up with the answer. Yeah, that's stop every walk, day. Yeah. <laughs> but to stop and walk away from it, how often has that sort of epiphany moment come when you're not trying to think about it? Almost, the story behind almost every major scientific discovery is exactly that story. It's a dream that that led uh, the scientists to find the benzene ring. It's you know all these all these interesting stories about how I, I took a break, and then it came to me in one fell swoop. So rest really important. I think in our culture in this country, one of our biggest false gods is busyness. Yes. If I'm not doing, I'm not worthy. If somebody stops you on the street and asks you, you know, how are you doing? Uh, are you keeping busy? Is a, is a common <laughs> phrase. That's the common question. Would you ever dare answer? No. Sitting around uh, with my feet up, looking out the window a lot. I find myself, I'm trying to change my vocabulary. I, I, I used to say, and I still say it, um, hard work. But I really want to say smart work. Mm. Because... Um, just slaving away mm-hmm. isn't really the answer. The answer is thinking it through and doing it in a smarter way, which includes replenishing yourself. Yeah. 
you know, I love the old story of the woodsman and the, the woodsman's walking through the woods and he, he comes across the young buck and the young buck is sawing this tree down and it's taken forever. And the old guy says, that must be some pretty hard wood. And the young guy says, no, not really. And he goes, well, gee, seems like you're really working there. What's going on? He says, well, my, my saw's dull. Why don't you, saw, why don't you sharpen your saw? And the, the young guy says, well, I don't have time. Got to get the wood. Got to get the wood cut. <laughs> well, you know, if you don't stop to sharpen your saw, mm-hmm. uh, nothing goes well from that point forward. <laughs> well, and another word tied to this is that just came to me too is joy. Mm-hmm. We can have a pretty miserable existence if we're just but very productive. Away. Yeah, very productive at least on the outset. Yeah, yeah. It, it looks like you're you're working really hard, but there's no joy in it. If you don't have joy in what you're doing, um, it's it's really a miserable existence. It's, it's slavery. Well, how many people do we know who have the big, beautiful house and the brand new cars and all of the trappings mm-hmm. and um, they're living this miserable existence to the point where they can't manage their relationship and the relationship comes apart? Yeah. Um, You've got to pay for two houses. Now you got to pay for two houses and four cars and mm-hmm. it only gets worse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my favorite uh, quote, one of my favorite quotes from Thoreau is, I made myself wealthy by limiting my wants. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's not to say that I don't have more than my share of stuff. I do. Um, and some of it I'm very attached to. I'm struggling with that right now. I'm very attached to some things I really need to get rid of. But uh, it... it if it's at least conscious and you're thinking about it, mm-hmm. I think it's it's a healthier place to be than oh, just yeah. assuming that more stuff is better. <laughs> when we when we moved here to our our current uh, call, uh, we actually moved three times in three years to get here. Uh, first was a temporary move to a rental place while we rebuilt what was our, a lake home, turned that into a full-time home. And then after we'd been there a couple of years, we realized that was a little too far away and it wasn't the ideal setting. So we moved again into town. Each time, before each move, we uh, purged. We got rid of all the stuff that we thought we didn't need. And each time when we came to move again, it was embarrassing how much stuff we had still. And so we'd purge some more and get rid of more yet. And the third time, three times in three, in three years, uh, went through this purging process and we still had too much stuff. It was just embarrassing. Uh, yeah, I have the same story. We actually rented a 40-foot dumpster and filled it. Filled it. And our basement is still jam-packed. <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, those the, the toys, the toys that the kids played with. Well, mm-hmm. maybe the grandkids will play with them. Yeah. Well, those toys are so old that... They're probably dangerous, you yeah, know. I mean, yeah. they, they, yeah. they probably keep them. there's probably a law against yeah. them at this point, but we have to keep them. <laughs> oh, so yeah, between busyness, overcluttered, overfilled, uh, these things that we think are bringing us joy and happiness or filling our lives, are really just kind of cluttering things. So, how does this bring us to "Thou shalt not"? Worship any other god. Yeah. What is it? What do we mean by that? Yeah. For me, it comes down to uh, the question of freedom. Is this thing truly making me free, or is it binding me up with with some other responsibilities, obligations? Um, is the heart of it something that fosters love, 
Uh, and is it something that makes me feel more genuinely more secure? A lot of the things that we invest all this in or the, the things that we place the expectations over really aren't meant to carry that responsibility. My car, my house can't really fulfill me. It's, it's useful, it's functional, uh, and maybe even beautiful. And uh, if it's the right home, it can uh, house my family and, and uh, allow me to entertain friends and things like that. But at what point does it tip beyond that and become the thing that is it's its, its own monument to an unrealistic God that, that can never satisfy those, those desires. I find myself, when I am, uh, when I'm imprisoned, when I am enslaved because of work or other obligations, and, and it, if it goes on too long, I find myself fantasizing about the things I'd rather be doing, and then I buy stuff related to that, <laughs> even though I know that I can't do mm-hmm. it. It's, it's, stupidity on steroids. I'll, I'll buy some, well, you know, I, I like photography. So just about the time that I can't afford it and can't do it, I go buy another piece of photography gear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, how stupid is that? But I, I always think, well, some days I'll get there. Mm-hmm. I'll get there. And uh, realizing that hopefully gets us to a point where we can begin the process of undoing that behavior, and then you don't have the debt load and you don't have the junk load, yeah. and you can actually then have some freedom to do those other things that you'd rather be doing than slaving. So maybe that's it. Maybe there's a reality check that we need to kind of lay over everything that we have and do from time to time and ask that question. Is this thing really bringing me joy? Is this thing really giving me freedom or is it somehow throwing an extra burden on top of me and if it's a burden now I've got permission to eject it to let go of it to, to sell it to divest of it to not do if it's if it's doing something productive and it's really helping and giving me a freedom and a, and a fulfillment in my life and it's doing something that benefits the world around me awesome great continue on uh, but I think that's that's the bottom line it's freedom and it's slavery. So can we give ourselves permission to make an honest evaluation? It doesn't matter what the rest of the world says about it, what the, ever, the rest of our culture wants to say. We need to have, got to have what it should be, shouldn't be. Um, we've got that own test inside of ourselves, uh, and we should have permission to do that. I think that's what, what God is giving us here in this in this permission. Don't have, don't trust other gods. Don't put this, these expectations on these things that can never live up to it. Well, I think that's a great place to leave it. All right. Thank you. Thank you.